Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's the 29th day of July. I'm your host, Paul White. It's the final Saturday of the month of July. That means a couple of things. One, it means that we are going to tell you about the sermon you can expect to see and hear tomorrow across all of the platforms of our ministry. And it also means we're a couple days away from the end of the month, meaning essay edition is right around the corner. So the Monday edition of the podcast will be our essay. Our essay will come to you from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. We've been doing the essays this year wherever we are in the journey. And if we keep our current pace, we might have one more essay in August that is in the book of Mark because we're not doing any better than a couple of chapters a month. So I would imagine we'll be at least into September. Today, we're going to cover Mark 14, verses 6 and 7. Tomorrow, we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. And that'll lock us in on the essay on Monday in regards to Judas's betrayal of Jesus. And I have some what I think are very important things to say in regards to the Judas betrayal, and we'll do those in the essay on Monday. Before we jump into our couple of verses today, let me introduce to you the sermon you can expect to see. If you like to watch the sermons, this one has video, and it will give you a little bit different look than our normal videos, and this is because the sermon comes to you from our monthly grace encounter with our friends in Flowery Branch, Georgia, from the month of June. 2023. We are not meeting with that group in July for the monthly meeting. Just been too much going on and we're pushing that meeting into August. So we'll get back to that. I'll tell you about that as it approaches. But the June meeting was held at the Lodge, which is a little little meeting room at Sterling on the Lake is our residence there in Flowery Branch. The Lodge is a little meeting hall that we meet at occasionally. We've done some videos from there before, but we've never done sort of a sitting, everyone sitting in chairs, just little, uh, these nice leather chairs. We all just kick back and relax. It was a small group. I had a word I wanted to share. I didn't think it would take very long. Of course, I went a little longer than I expected to. But I, as I watched this back, I was really just taken with the word. I thought this was a, a word that will resonate with your uh, with, with many of your journeys into what Christ is doing in a lot of us, one of the reasons you keep coming back to this ministry to listen and to watch is the sound that you hear about Jesus and the version that you hear about Jesus. I'm trying to present it in a way that, in the way that I see him. And I think this message does that as well as any we've done. It comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And it's that famous passage of swords to plowshares. Now, it's a prophetic word for Isaiah, but we have, and I use this extensively in this message, we've used this as a prophetic word out in our future. Like someday God's going to turn swords into plowshares. But I open this message with a little fact about the first three centuries of the church. And I won't spoil that for you. But I think you're going to enjoy this word and what that verse actually meant to them, what it meant to the early church, and what it should mean to us. The title of the sermon is Swords to Plowshares. I'm lounged and seated in this one, nice and comfy. Um, But I think the word is going to bless your heart. If you like the video, paulwhiteministries.com will have it, as well as our YouTube page, PWM is our YouTube channel. 
And of course, if you prefer audio only, you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. Just look for the sermon titled Swords to Plowshares. Mark chapter 14. Jesus is in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper. A woman has just come in and broken a bottle of perfume and poured it over him. His disciples are not happy with this because the bottle of perfume is worth a year's salary. Jesus says in verse 6, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good, but me you do not have always. So Jesus really defends the action and defends it on the grounds that what she's done isn't any of your business. This reminds me of something Paul says in the Thessalonican letter when he says, let each person aspire to lead a quiet life, minding his own business, working with his hands. Mind your own business. Now, we've taken that phrase and it kind of means, you know, don't stick your nose over here. And maybe it meant that then. Um, It might have had a little more to do with literally do your own job and let someone else do his job and, and each of you concentrate on your busyness. But I like the idea of, listen, don't let what they do trouble you. We are in a society, as much as I've ever seen in my life, where we are very troubled by what other people do. We make everybody's business our business, and social media has helped us with that, to find out what so-and-so's doing and then comment on it. You know, we could just ignore it, but no, we've got to do what we can to cancel them and ruin their lives and make their lives the subject of our conversation. I think we're better than this. I mean, we follow a Jesus who in this moment said, what, what, what's it matter to you? She's done a good work for me. You know, it's not your money she, she just spent on that perfume. It's not your life and effort that went into breaking this bottle and pouring it over me. Let her do what she's going to do. And man, as much as any spot in the Gospels, this is Jesus saying, let other people live their lives. You don't have to worry about it. And I, I think that, and we mask it a lot of times with theology because they said this could have been given to the poor. And we like good theological arguments sometimes, but it's really just us sticking our nose in other people's business. Jesus says, you have the poor with you always. Whenever you wish, you could do them good. Me, you don't have always. So don't give me your theological premise, Jesus says. You can be good to the poor on your own. What other people do isn't your concern. And it's easy for me as a preacher, as a minister of the word, to sit here and and jump on a soapbox of what we ought to do. But I hear the Holy Spirit saying to me, some of that is your job because you are in ministry to tell, to try and put the light on truth. But at the end of the day, what are you doing? And so I have to take inventory of my own life. What am I doing? The poor you have with you always, I don't think is meant to be an economic statement. Like, hey, don't bother with trying to elevate the poor. I've even heard this used by people who are defending some forms of economics that leave the poor out and they'll say, well, Jesus said the poor is going to be here always. We're not going to be able to get rid of the poor. And I've even sort of fallen into that trap before. I don't think Jesus is giving a prophetic word on economics, but I think he is saying, I, me and my first advent are temporary. I'm not going to be here. People like this woman or people that you want to go help are going to be here. So take advantage of what is in front of you right now. 
rather than only thinking about what is theoretically out there. And maybe that's good advice for all of us too. Take care of the business in front of us instead of always worrying about theoretically what's going on out there in the greater world. Tomorrow, the next two verses in sequence, and then the essay on Monday. Have a great day. God bless.